to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Um, before we get into the main podcast tonight, um, I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on, so I hope you've all had a, a good Christmas and, and New Year's and stuff like that. Um, but as eager as we are to talk about our Seattle Seahawks tonight, um, of course, there's a situation in the NFL at the minute that is currently taking our attention completely and rightly so, um, and that is the situation and the health of DeMar Hamlin. Obviously, incredibly scary incident uh, on Monday Night Football between the Bills and the Bengals. Um, obviously, I'm sure you're all aware of what happened now. I don't really need to go into the details, but obviously, DeMar Hamlin suffering a cardiac arrest on the field after a hit from T. Higgins um, and is still at the time of recording, which is the 4th of January. Um, DeMar Hamlin is still in hospital in critical condition, but thankfully, um, there have been some more positive updates throughout the day today um, in terms of DeMar, you know, getting more oxygen on his own. Um, I think he's down to about 50% now on a ventilator um, and 50% uh, breathing oxygen on his own power, off his own accord. Um, so that's really good news. And, and hopefully that, that news that we keep getting keeps trending in that positive direction. Um, really bit of an unprecedented sort of incident in the NFL. Um I think this has happened maybe once more in, in 1971, a Detroit Lions play, I think this happened to, um, but it was more of a, it, it was a heart attack and, and he sort of collapsed a few players after he took that hit. Um, it wasn't a, an instantaneous thing like DeMar Hamlin's was. So this is a pretty unprecedented situation in the NFL um, and I'm sure none of us who ever followed the NFL have any ever seen anything like this. Unfortunately, I can only speak for myself um, as a as a football fan or as a soccer fan um, to to any of our American listeners. Uh, I've had the displeasure of, of witnessing this twice um, in in professional sports. Uh, Fabrice Mwamba in 2012. Some of you may remember 
um, the, the Bolton Wanderers player at the time, suffering a cardiac arrest on the field um, and, and was clinically dead for quite a long time, but was thankfully revived and is still alive today. Um, and then some of you, even if you don't follow football, maybe more aware of the Christian Eriksen one just in 2021 um, in the sub of the Denmark and Manchester United footballer, um, obviously again suffering a cardiac arrest on the field, but was revived and is still alive and well and playing football today. Um, but two incredibly scary incidents. And this was a, a, another one, thankfully, I didn't watch it live. I was in bed, tucked up. Um, and when I went to, to watch the highlights of the game, as I normally do on, on these late games um, on my phone, in the morning and I couldn't find the highlights and I was a little bit confused as to why the NFL hadn't posted the highlights and then I went to social media um, and unfortunately saw that news um, so thankfully I didn't have to witness it live but um, it, look, it's it's a really scary incident I'm going to open the floor to you lads in a minute before we get onto the podcast um, proper just to say anything you want to say on it but um, for me personally I just want to say a massive well done to all the emergency staff uh, that were on hand that evening for the amazing job that they've done. Um, absolute credit to Zach Taylor and to Sean McDermott um, for for the for the work that they've done um, in terms of keeping their players off that field um, and not allowing that game to go on, which the NFL potentially was prepared to do. Um, and and just let's let's keep hoping and keep praying that that Demar keeps trending in this positive direction. Um, and and that is that is the sole focus of attention, I'm sure, for everyone in the NFL world at this moment in time. Um, and 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 yeah, that that's all I've really got to to say on it. Um, I'm going to open the floor to you two lads. Uh, if you want to say any words on this on this current situation, any thoughts that you may have, um, and then we'll get to talking about our Seattle Seahawks. Um, I mean, it's it's horrifying, really, isn't it? When you think about it, uh, a young man was he 24? 24. Yeah, and it, it, this has happened. I mean, we we bang the drum about injuries and player safety on this pod quite a lot. I mean, th- this was it was a freak accident. But as you said, like you you pinpointed two people that have had soccer players that have had heart attacks whilst playing. Now the list is bigger than two. I'll tell you that for nothing. Um, for example, there was one on the third of December, twenty twenty two, that hasn't been you know publicized there's got to be something to do with you know cardiovascular health that the league professional sports should be doing i mean for everyone everything i've listened to and watched about this people say those hits happen 60 times a game i think pat mcafee was he was quite um passionate about this but they happen so many times in the game and this is a, a freak incident but it's a freak incident on one person so you then have to ask the question is there an underlying medical condition? Should he have been evaluated further? Is the league doing enough for player safety? Is the league doing enough for their health? I mean, I just hope the guy just recovers um, as best he can. I mean, even if he doesn't play football anymore, as long as he's got a quality of life, um, heart goes out to him and his family. You know, anyone that watched that live as well, you know, there's, there's please talk to someone if it's really affected you. Because um, I know a lot of people, the players, especially on the field, it really affected them. So, yeah, gutted. Absolutely gutted to see it. It's a hard sport anyway. You don't really want to see things like that happen as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. As I say, woke up, checked my phone. I was like, 7 3. I was like, Jesus, that must have been good defense. <laughs> and then I saw delayed. I was like, I thought, whether. Where, and then my mate messaged me and was just like, 
oh my god, Sitwell sent me a, tw- a tweet um, with the video what showed it, and you're just like, it's not nice, not nice at all. But let's just hope he makes a recovery, full recovery would be ideal. Whether he is able to play such a violent sport again with a condition like that, depending, let's just hope he makes a full recovery. He's got all functions, lights are back on fully, and he has a good quality of life. Like you two have said, there's not much really more to add to what you two have already said about it. So all you can do is just hope that he pulls through. Yeah, absolutely. Um and 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 for me as well, I think um because I only really kind of found this out thanks to listening to the Mina Kimes show last night. Um that at this moment in time, if uh Demar Hamlin was to retire from the NFL, he wouldn't be covered for player insurance by the NFL because he hasn't played five years in the NFL. Um so I would just like to personally express that I think the NFL needs to sort that shit out, really, because that's not good enough. It's um, awful, isn't it? It's disgusting. The, it's awful. the whole US medical system, whether whether you're a sportsman, you're an emergency service man or woman, you know, sportsman or woman, or just a general civilian, it is awful. The fact you do not have access to affordable or free healthcare is disgusting. If anyone of our listeners are American, which I know we know a lot of you are, in the UK, we we don't pay for it. You know, mm. it, it comes out of our taxes. It comes out of other means, you know, because let's face it, it, to give birth in the US, it costs you about 10 grand. Now, it costs us nothing, you know, which might explain quite a lot, to be honest. But the fact that this, this young man, after something so catastrophic could happen on an NFL field, and then the NFL gone, ah, sorry, uh, not played five years. You're not covered by our policy. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. It's disgusting. And look, we, we care about all of our players because look, we're probably going to do it maybe at some point tonight. We'll have a go at certain players and say they're not good enough and, and say they should be doing this or that better. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I could never do what they're doing. I could never be the athlete that they are. I could never have the bollocks to put those pads and helmets on and go out between those white lines and and, and put their bodies on the line the way that they do. Um, so for all the players, I guess there's a little bit of an apology, really, to all the players that I've ever slagged off um, and, re- and and kind of said that you're shit and, and, and we should replace you and, and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't really mean it because it's it's sports the, hate mate it's, it's fine I think our and friend this, Clinton says it all the time it's sports it hate does. it's not real person hate you literally leave that yeah. at the door if someone has a bad game you don't go tweeting them that you're going to set fire to the house yeah you know you just go well they're a crap game that's it yeah. that's where people need to draw a line it's like when people get angry at a soap opera or a movie at a character that is an actor playing that character. It is mm-hmm. not the real person. These are real people playing a sport. They can have an off day. And obviously some people have them worse than others. So, Yeah. Um, with that being said, let's, let's as, we, as we end that little segment, let's continue to wish the very best for Damar Hamlin and his family. Um, and however we see him in whatever context of life we see him in, in the future, hopefully he will be there. Um, so, yes, let's start this podcast. Um in terms of the Seattle Seahawks, because as, as, as we've said off air, we've missed a couple of weeks. Um, 
and you know it was christmas new years we've we spent time with our families as we should have been um so i hopefully you don't you don't have a go at us too much on twitter and so and whatever for missing a couple of weeks um because i know you were i know you were desperately refreshing twitter on christmas day all of you <laughs> waiting for a, a, a we talk seahawks podcast job um but we are back um and i tell you what we're back with one more week to go um a fantastic win it has to be said over the new york jets a pivotal win over the new york jets because this means we go into the final week of the season with something to potentially play for um a, a, a fantastic defensive performance fantastic offensive performance 23 to 6. um we've got a lot to talk about tonight um we're going to start though with the main man himself gino because it may not be in the, in the context that you think that we're going to talk about Geno tonight, because I think Pez has thrown a little bit of a spanner into the works off here, because he's got something to say about Geno that may, some of you, I mean, look, some of you may agree with him, some of you may not, but you, you're not too keen on, on, on keeping Geno for a certain price, are you, Pez? No. Uh, not with the press that's being banded around. Um, my biggest concern said it a couple of times on the pod. Um, we actually recorded a pod, myself and you, James, mm-hmm. but didn't manage to get it done because the file was corrupt, so we didn't manage to get it put out. And it was a good pod, in my opinion, talking about the team, the state of the team. And I mentioned it a couple of times in that pod. For our regular listeners, you might remember at the start of the season when we were talking about the quarterbacks, me and Josh would always bang on about the scariest thing for us is that Gino's serviceable. Pete uses that to keep himself in a job. We paid Gino too much money. And then after a year where all these teams have got tape on us, because Pete Carroll's not going to change, he's never changed, Gino gets found out. The back end of the season is starting to really make me uncomfortable with some of the things I've seen with Gino, where I would not be rushing to pay him big money because I just bit worried next year the bubble might burst. He's been playing phenomenal. The people don't get me wrong. Playing phenomenal, more than serviceable. Brilliant. And if he carries this on, fine. Next season, if he stays and he carries on this performance, I will turn around and go, hands up. Yeah, I was wrong. Fair enough. But it's an opinion. And it concerns me. It just concerns me how it's took. I understand there's a backup in this, but it's took him this long. Took him this long to do this. Kind of just worries me. It might be one of them flashing the pans next year the bubble bursts and then we're really crying because we're not getting a top five pick again mm. like we're not getting two firsts again like I'm, shipping. I'm getting the vibe from you Pez that you, we, as we all do we all like Gino we're all being blown away by his play this year in terms of what we expected from him but um, and for all that he throws a, an excellent ball um, and is incredibly accurate and, and, and efficient is it a case of do you think his skill set in terms of outside of throwing a pretty ball and outside of being accurate is kind of, you know, once those teams do get film on him, is his skill set high enough to be able to 
because everyone everyone has film on Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, but their skill sets are so high and incredible that you can't do anything about it because their their skill sets just on that kind of level. Um, now that teams will have a full season of film on Gino, do you think it's a case of you not wanting to pay that amount of money because you don't see his skill set being able to sort of transcend those those sort of hours of film that, that teams will have on him? Yeah, um, exactly that, in my opinion. When things break down around him, like I said, we've missed a couple of games. And in them couple of games, you've seen it we're, we're in our Discord and stuff. We, sp- we spoke about it with our Discord members and stuff. And it's concerning when everything breaks down around him. He breaks down. Mm. You saw it in this game, taking 12-yard sacks. Doing like oh, pirouetting round incapability. In like I understand you you sat behind Russ for years. I I get that because some of the stuff he does, I watch it. It's like that's what you get for being stuck up behind Russell Wilson for many a year. But you need to remember you didn't have the the elusiveness of Russell Wilson. Because he he was he he probably still is he's had he's had a bad year yeah whatever but he's still up there as one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the league age maybe catching him on but he's like a Mahomes but with Mahomes you saw it in the Super Bowl against the Bucks he has no all line he struggles the Bengals are showing everyone when you play is it too high against him. They, they, they play a certain defence and they lock him down every time. He, he's like, fears to throw deep on him. Like, so, but he still gets it done. He can still switch to something different. Josh Allen, just, he's like a fucking battering ram. If his throwing lets him down, he just starts running and no one can tackle him. Whereas I don't see that in Gino. Mm. Like Josh said, the pirouetting. Josh Allen does a pirouette like that. He's gaining yards. Not minus twelve. Hmm. I think it's, Gino's thing with that, that pirouette was him trying to because he'd come back so far. He was trying to escape the danger. Then wasn't he just trying to pirouette out of it? Now, nah, mate, but it's never going to happen. Do you, with that also, I think he did it this game as well, and he got picked off. But then he'll do that, and then sometimes he'll panic, and then his brain will switch in and go, "Oh, I should have just thrown it away. I'll throw it away now." Into the hands of the other team, and it's like. I just, them little things concern me mm. a lot. Like I, like I said, I, I'm not like, I was like at the start of the season, not fully invested into the season. It's wait and see, sit back, enjoy it. We've done better than anyone would have thought we would have done. We were potentially going to get a winning record. We should against the Rams because they've shut up shop and they're kind of chilling. Um, Better than anyone's expected. But by doing that and not being so invested in, oh, we need to make the playoffs, really need to make the playoffs, is maybe I've been able to look at it from a different angle to everyone else because I've sat back and I've just watched it without getting overly passionate about what I'm watching. I'm just watching, like seeing what I'm watching, you know, and being able to think about it logically. And for me, my sceptical side, the, the things he showed me the back end of the season really concerned me going forward. And especially if you're going to pay him 35, what people need to remember is what we were paying Russ 
and what hamstrung us for many a season. And you've still got to remember something that we'll get onto. I'll, well, I'm going to get onto at some point is we've still got Pete Carroll as a head coach and he plays one certain style. And these last couple of games where Gino struggled, it's been a certain style what we haven't seen at the first half of the season. But for whatever reason, these last five games, we've gone to a different style. Boring, methodical, everyone knows what we're going to do and everything breaks down. And look how bad he played. Look how bad he played. What if next year, for whatever reason, Pete decides, nope, we need to go boring and methodical again. Then Gino's going to suck all season. To think the thing with this is like it's like Gino. Sorry to cut in there, mate. I, no, it's alright. Th- this this whole Gino thing is where people are saying pay the man. Fine, pay the man. But remember, you're paying a man that has been on backup wages for so long that you cannot pay him like an elite QB. If you go in and we, like Pez just said, we pay him thirty five mil for a season. That's Russell Wilson at near enough elite level money. Now, don't get me wrong, Gino was like by numbers at a cracking season. He's what? He's a hundred and something yards away from breaking the all time Seahawks throwing yard record in the season, isn't he? That was previously held by Russ. Something like that, yeah. You know, or something like that. I can't remember. I saw the stat. I know he's joined Russ's 4,000 yards club. Hmm. Yeah, so if he throws that another hundred odd yards, I think it's that like hundred and eighty odd, which will be he'll be hard pressed to do based on his previous or last couple of games, then he's going to be the overall leader or something. But this could be, as Pez and I have said, and I keep saying, consistency. You can't be consistent for one season. If we pay him that money, we've, we've basically hamstrung ourselves to be with him. Because we're like, right, we're paying you all this money, crippling ourselves for other things that we need. When we don't need to, we, all we need to do is go, Gino, this is our offer. It's a mid to low range offer because it's more than we're getting paid last year. It's, you know, it's not as good as what some other desperate team may offer you. Also, they'll bear in mind there's quite a few QBs in this draft class that people take a punt on. You know, oh, and by the way, if you don't sign it, then free agents this year are, and don't laugh at all of these, Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy, Gir- Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Daniel Jones, Case Keenum, Mason Rudolph, Jacoby Brissett, who's proven that he can you know, do bits if needs be, Joe Flacco, the Red Rocket, Mike White, the Taylor Heineke, Lamar Jackson. The list is going on and on and on. So if he goes, no, nah, I want 35 mil, at that point you go, Two fingers. Cheers, mate. I really appreciate what you did for us last season by getting us eight and nine, nine and eight, and then dropping us out of the playoffs. But there's a ton of other ones out there that we could probably sign as a, a gap year interim to just do a job for us whilst we're rebuilding. Just, like, just, I, just go for one of them rookies. If we got CJ Stroud and CJ Stroud came to the NFL and played like he did against Georgia. He serious, serious kid. Yeah, but he needs I've been watching help. about him. He didn't need help against Georgia. 
he was doing everything on his own. He literally just ran that shit on his own. And that's something that a lot of people, like draft stuff I've been listening on him is, that's the stuff he's not been showing. And I, I don't want Bryce Young, if, if I swear to fucking Jesus Christ, if Otto Pitt came in and it said Bryce Young... I'd say, please give Gino 35 as well, please, just so I can watch the atomic bomb go off. Because I think that, like, Bryce Young's got some really nice qualities, but I think he gets snapped in off after one season. Do you know Mikayla hate for, for the whole time we've been doing this podcast, yeah. James? Oh, I do. The Bryce Young hate would just start. Well, that's we're to the same direction then. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I'm still so in favour of taking a defensive player, but, yeah. Before we go it's, too far down this Gino rabbit hole and yeah, start talking it's the, picks. It's the defensive play is the likely thing, but just say we get what's the best seed we can get, the second seed or the third seed. I, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, like a, I'd like to look at a CJ Stroud just on the quarterback situation, but if we can get Anthony Richardson in the second, at the start of the second, because we've pretty much got one of the high second rounders, I'd 100% take him. Gino re-signs on a club-friendly deal, mm. Anthony Richardson, because he got, Gino's got some qualities, what he can learn off throwing the football and managing and stuff like that. That's what Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, needs to get better at. So that tandem would be heaven for us. Mm. But that's for the off-season. One last thing about Gino, what I wanted to chuck in there, my main concern is... I can't remember, someone in the Discord said it, or it might have been my brother, dropped a thing in there during the game a couple of games ago and said, why does it seem like Gino and DK have zero chemistry? It's like, it's almost like as the season's gone on, their chemistry's gone down the toilet. It's like DK doesn't get up for Gino like he was at the start. So then I thought in this Jets game, um, I thought in this Jets game, I'm going to watch this. Now, this whole thing, and this is the thing I said before we recorded my little, I want to see what your opinion is on it, is obviously everyone's wanking sauce off. It's like, oh, sauce, he he locked down DK. DK had him banged to rights on nearly every single route. There was a couple where sauce, I'm not taking away his talents before anyone starts bitching at me about, oh, you don't know, shut up. It's about the fact that he got done multiple times on routes. He, he he had DK a couple of times in the end zone. There was one what was DK's fault because he didn't have his hands in the right position. Again, a weird miscue. It's like, if you're on rhythm with each other, you you know, like your hands are on the other side of your body, you know where it's coming. But there was at least two, what I can remember. There might have been a third. But there was definitely two where DK had done source bang to rights. And the ball, like someone in the pod said, he just needs to go up and high point the football. Well, it's pretty hard to high point the football when it's a couple of yards past him. Mm-hmm. Like DK's in, because that's what source is great at, is sticky. He's sticky, so he bottles up a guy in his route, slowing him down, especially... Oh, he's been elite in man coverage. This year, in man coverage, Source has been absolutely elite. He has been locked down. Do do you know what, though? Do you know what? For a rookie, he gets gets veteran leniency. 
he gets what Richard Sherman, what Revis, and all them lot got after a couple of years. Rookies don't normally get away with what he's been getting away with all year because he he holds like a bitch. But can yeah, can I just highlight just, one thing? You know, you're talking about DK doing him. Look at the DJ Dallas the sort of, um, shuffle shuffle pass from um, Gino to Dallas. Look what Derek Young did to Source on the sideline. It is a thing of beauty. He turns him inside out, and Source doesn't know where he is, and he just burns him. If Gino had seen that, he was in the open. It's mega. So I'll, I'll pop it right. on our group later. So um, back to the thing. So there was a couple of times, or definitely two times, and it was overthrown him. And then I was like, mm. he has a point here. He has, he has, he, and the, the, the difference is in the past couple of years, if that was Russ, DK w- would have been pissed. But he, he's like, I'm a leader, I'm a team guy, so I'm just going to be neutral. Whereas I heard on pods where DK was just like, yeah, yeah, it's just one of them days, Pete going in the presser, it's just one of them days, and he took it really well. Dugar was the one who mentioned on his podcast, DK, you, you, like, he's the one guy who will talk after a win. I tried having a conversation with him, and he's like, I understand the vibe. He just gave me the vibe, I don't want to talk. To me, shows fuming. And normally when DK's fuming, last year, remember, when him and Russ had that weird, where Russ just would ignore him, and DK mm. was raging. Mm. Well, It's like, we've seen it. We're seeing it again, and it's like, so everyone's overhyping Source. It's going to come into when we talk about, obviously, Source versus Tariq in the uh, defensive rookie of the year conversation. But it's like everyone was like, oh, Source locked him down. But I was just a bit like, well, no, Source Source did some really good things. Don't take it away from him. Fucking what a talent. But DK had him done so many times, but Gino overthrew him so many times. I think this weird. is I think this is a really interesting point because and on this, and I'll bring something up that might interest a few people here, but I, I, I have been massively impressed with DK's sort of the way he handles himself this year um, because, and I was going to bring it up when you said it there, I think it would have been interesting, very interesting to see how he would have reacted with with Russ being his quarterback this year, if he posted these kind of stats, and you're talking about this sort of link up between Gino and DK not really being there, I think it's there, but it's only half there. It's it's there in the sense that this season, with one game left, um, he's got a career high in receptions of eight seven since he's been here in Seattle. Um, he's got one thousand eight hundred yards receiving, yards, which is. Yeah. Oh, 1,008 yards. 1,008 yards, sorry. Yeah, which oh, is God, about God, 300. I'll give an extra 792 <laughs> yards, mate. <laughs> which is, which compared to last year, uh, he only got 967 yards receiving mm. and 75 receptions. Um, so I think the connection with DK is there in between the red zones, but he's only got six touchdowns this season. Last season, he had 12. In, 20, in 2020, he had 10. And in his rookie year, he had seven. Um, so he's got half the amount of touchdowns that he has this season so far with one game left that he had last season and and he had 10 in 2020 so you know almost half of that season as well um, and it does feel like that that 
in the end zone, Gino just really is struggling to find DK in the red zone. He's really struggling to find him in the end zone. That connection that he has with, with, with DK in the end zone isn't there. In between the 20-yard lines, it's there. And you can see it's there in, in another 1,000-yard receiving and a career-high number of receptions. Um, but he's really struggling to get him involved down in the red zone and, and in the end zone. So uh, in terms of what you're saying about his character and how would he have handled it this year with so many you know so few touchdowns that he's being used to would would we would we be seeing him flipping out on the sideline the way that he would have been sort of last year potentially it, it, it's it's an interesting sort of maybe a sign of his personal development that he isn't doing that and he, he's only got six touchdowns this season compared to 12 last season um so it's an interesting point with dk um and and like i, said, I have been i have been massively impressed with his character this year um but yeah, it, it, that is a that is an interesting one. Um, Ken Walker, let's get to this running game because me and you, Pez, on this corrupt recording that we did the other week, um, which no one will ever hear thanks to Skype. Um, I I mentioned on that podcast as one of my talking points yeah, as we really were, point. yeah, as we were as we were kind of kicking off at the team and saying what's gone wrong, and that was going to be the title of the pod, what's gone wrong, blah 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 blah. Um, that. For me, a, a key part of our offense this year um, with Shane Waldron and Gino is, is the, the the run plus option uh, or RPOs, you Madden players, and that will 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 know it by. Um, and to run a, an explosive run pass option scheme um, and a play action scheme, for me, it, it, it's built upon built around a really good running game. And in the kind of stretch of games that we saw after the Bucks game, um, and up to the Chiefs game, because Ken Walker had 100-plus yards in the Chiefs game, um, the running game absolutely wasn't there. I think it was about 40-something yards was about our highest sort of rushing yardage total in a, in a single game between the Bucks game and the Chiefs game um, in that sort of five, six-week kind of span. Um, and now Ken Walker's back. He's pretty healthy again. And and even DJ Dallas, your man, I'm sure you're going to give a little bit of praise to Pez as well. But 133 yards on the ground for Ken Walker against the Jets, 43 for DJ Dallas, and a nice little 55 yards reception, uh, receiving yards for DJ Dallas as well on the game. So, or pretty much 100 yards from from scrimmage from DJ, um, and and the offense was was firing and it was working and the tight ends were getting involved as I was saying the tight ends were getting open the receivers were getting open the running game was working because we were able to sell the the RPO, RPO game because teams knew that the, we didn't have Tony Jones in there again with all due respect to Tony Jones we didn't have him in there we didn't have guys like that who were, were stuck gap filling guys who defensive coordinators will know well they're not going to run the ball sort of 15 20 you know they're not going to hand it off 15 20 times to, to Tony Jones in that game so we don't need you know they're not selling the RPO so that we know it's going to be a pass nine times out of ten back into this game with the Jets with Ken Walker when we run run play option as a defensive coordinator you're not going to know if it's a run or a pass because we can sell that because you know you have to respect the run game with Seattle with Ken Walker in there um and and all of a sudden the offense came to life again, and we, and we found our found our rhythm again on offense. So, um, I I I think we've missed Ken Walker so so badly when he's been out injured, um, and and even Tyler Lockett. I thought I mean, I mean fair play to him as we've talked about you know at the the brutal reality of this sport already in this podcast. I mean from a broken hand I think he had didn't he to come back and and be playing football again just two weeks later uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, albeit only getting fifteen receiving yards, but 
quite frankly, the fact that he was even out there and suited up was unbelievable. Tyler got more yardage than DK, though, and that's the thing. And Tyler yeah. got two two receptions, 15 yards. DK got one reception for three, but I'm pretty sure DK was targeted more. Mm. I, Potentially, yeah. Um, I, I, just, I just don't think DK could catch. And he was covered, no. covered, on, covered in sauce. He was covered in sauce. I like that. I like that analogy. Um, but what I was going to finish that statement with is, and we're going to get it on the flip side of the ball on the defence, because there's storylines with this potential honour on, on both sides of the ball in this game. But um, did Ken Walker's game against the Jets maybe hand him the Offensive Rookie of the Year award over maybe a Garrett Wilson on the opposite side? Essentially? Yes. You go for it, Josh, because I've spoken enough as is. Um... I wasn't going to say anything, mate. I've not been able to say anything all pod, so I thought I'd let you crack on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's off now. He's, he's literally walked um, off now. I, I, yeah, I, I think if he breaks a thousand rushing yards in the next game, offensive rookie of the year is. His. Mm-hmm. He's shown so much of what he can do, and he's shown what he brings to this team. I think he should get it already, but I think to solidify it. It's got to be break that thousand yards rushing mm. next week, this week even. Um, maybe score another TD, and it's all his. Bring his uh, average up because his average is like four point seven yards mm. per carry. But yeah, I think he's got to be one of the front runners. He has to be. No, oh, he has to be. Because let's face it. I mean, he's still the fastest ball carrier in the NFL. That that the very first play from scrimmage, and he took it almost to the house. I mean. And, and to, to that point as well, I think, and I hate to do this so early in the pod, even though we're, we're kind of 36 minutes into the podcast already, but it feels early to do this. But I think Tariq Woolen may have well won the Offensive Rookie of the Award for Kenning that game for shutting down Garrett Wilson for three receptions and 18 yards as well. So I think Tariq Woolen's played a massive part in potential. If he does win that mm-hmm. from that game, helping him out there. Um, but, oh, my God, man, I, I, we just it, it, we keep raving about him. Um, and if if Ken doesn't win it, I, I, I'll be very surprised. Um, but DJ Dallas as well. It's evident when he's. I was going to say this is literally what I was about to lean into. It's evident when Ken is on the field, and we have that running game, and like you said as well with the RPOs, that it frees up space for other running backs. Yeah. So when Ken's on, they're now going to be looking at it going. That's got to be a run. It's got to be a run. It's got to be a run. But then when he chucks on like DJ Dallas in, they go. Ken's not in the field. It's probably going to be a pass play, which is giving DJ Dallas room to move through. I mean, that the little shuttle pass from from Gino to to DJ, and I thought that was a fantastic play. It was a great bit of awareness and a, a brilliant burst from DJ. He had some amazing plays as well, where he just bullied people in the run. He was running head to head with people, and he was taking two people with him every time. I think it, he's really started coming to his own as this like. Is number two running back. I'd be intrigued to see who we draft this year, who's going to be number three or potentially number two ahead of him. Uh, I was going to Travis uh, Holbrain going to stay there. Fullbacks are five uh, four, mate. I was uh, I was going to bring that up because in the pod, me and James, did, I said that. I said if everyone was pissed that uh, Ken Walker got drafted early, wait till the next running back comes up early. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because just bringing in these last couple of games we've missed. So, love seeing DJ do his thing. 
But do you know what? Before he got injured in that Rams game, it annoyed me. Because when Ken disappeared, what happened to all these running backs and their playing styles? Because do you know what happened? DJ Dallas and Travis Homer reverted back to who they were last season. There was no bullying. There's no nothing. But then Ken comes back with DJ. And DJ's running head down. It's almost like they have a... They, they, they scheme the running backs up how Ken runs the ball and they all follow suit. But then it doesn't make sense because fucking DJ Dallas is so good at running straight through. I can't remember. But it's not elite. It's not elite. You look at when he, when he had to come and deputise for Carson, he, he did all right. He had a couple of receiving... T- oh, was it Penny, maybe? Um, he had a couple of receiving TDs. He ran all right, but... If you're going to be a defensive coordinator and you're going to look at the Seahawks and go, right, so let's have a look at their roster. They've got DK, they've got Tyler, they've got Noah Fan. So all these receiving threats. Who's their running back? Oh, Ken Walker's injured. Uh, they've got DJ Dallas and Travis Helmer. Just fucking ignore them. It's fine. Give them five yards. Doesn't matter. I um, disagree. But, but when, when Ken's in, a, a defensive coordinator has got to look at all these weapons and then they've also... And Ken Walker. Oh, right, we need to scheme for that. But then it's a matter of you take Ken out of the game. But that's what happened in this game. You took Ken out of the game, and it's like the Jets went, it's DJ Dallas, don't worry about him too much. And then DJ starts breaking off for runs and starts bullying people through gaps and you know, gets himself in decent receiving positions. That that's the beauty. That's why that's why people pay big bucks for an elite running back. That's why San Francisco have gone out there and paid for Christian McCaffrey because he brings that extra level to their game. I understand where you're coming from. I disagree. I don't disagree on the talent mm-hmm. level. I agree on that. I disagree on teams being like it like he's not good enough on his own. It, it, like what I just said then is it's like this team, because how he's running now is what you saw when he was in college. Like the burst through the gap. He's not the quickest, but he gets the burst through the gap and he's gone. You saw it in that shovel pass. I know, like, obviously he had more time and more space, but you saw it also when he just shot through the line, found his gap and went straight through it, bullying people. But then as soon as mm-hmm. Ken disappears, they, they, like, put the reins back on him and go... Oh, just be pretty and just be cute. And they don't they, they don't put reins on them, they just can't perform because they're they're a sole focal point. People know if they run, they're gonna get swallowed up. Yeah, but, but but no, no, but but this is what I'm trying to say. It's it's almost like if Ken's not there, they play the running backs completely different. They don't play they don't play DJ or Travis like they do when Ken's on the field. They revert back to this safe style of running back, what they've always been like for previous years. But then Ken comes back and they're like, all right, everyone go and be aggressive. And it's like, they've shown enough now. They've shown enough. They're both aggressive. What the fuck are you doing with these players? Like, that's why I can't, like, I I, I understand where you're coming from. And I'm not, like, saying you're completely wrong in what you're saying. It's just, it. I don't think it's them. I think it's, the way they use when Ken's not there, they're proving they can do what Ken does. And it 
it just it reverts back to, I think, a bit of Pete. And when certain players on their team disappear, he goes safe. Like like you said about Derek Young. Like, I'll bring it up now whilst we're talking about it. Like you said about Derek Young burning, um, burning sauce. <laughs> and then he did, um, what's that move? Where, like, he did a sweep, so he was like the dummy for, like, a jet sweep. Yeah. It's like, give him the fucking jet sweep, man. You shot yourselves in the foot. Like, you, you shot yourselves in the foot. You're up by this many points. Give Derek Young a fucking chance. But no, we can't possibly do that. We've got to play it safe. When Tyler disappeared, oh, we can't possibly pass to any other fucking player on this football field except DK. Oh, that falls apart because we're just targeting one guy who they know where we're going to go, and God Goodwin's injured. So all these other fucking receivers, let's just chin them all off. Like, it angers me. Like, I saw Dorit Young going through, and it was it worked out a decent play in the end, I think. It was a decent play. But I, saw, I was like, give this kid a chance. And in my head, I was thinking, great, we've got to hope that the Lions go and beat the Packers in Lambeau, something they've not done ever or for many a year. I wish if that was the fucking case, we have one more game and let Dorit Young and all these players who haven't had a chance play them, see what but they can do. They're, they're rookies. Like you say they've not had a chance, but they, they, this is unless you are an elite player coming out of the draft, you are not going to start or be factored into a team's game plan. All right. We're looking at Derek Young, we said it earlier, but we used to, but we don't anymore because the team that the the league is stacked with studs now. Okay, that's why people draft players so high to get that missing piece. That's why we took a run. That's why we took a running back in the second round because we didn't have one that we could rely on. So we took the stud, arguably joint first, you know, with Brees Hall. Running back in this, yeah, the stud in in this in this draft, but with that, you're not going to get people like Derek Youngs. You know, you look at Bo Melton. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, he was brilliant when he came out of." I can't remember what Rutgers. school he was now. <laughs> Rutgers. There you go. Inconsequential college for football. dot com. You know, they're not going to get game time. They're not going to be factored in as much as we love them personally. We love DJ Dallas. They're not going to be factored in because the levels are you can game plan around someone like Ken Walker because you can just give him stuff to do and he will make shit happen. Someone like DJ Dallas, who has been given the reins before, is a level or two below and he's proven that he is not that game wrecker running back like your Penny when he's healthy, your Chris Carson's, you know, your Ken Walker's. So you have to be more conservative with him. If he breaks one off when he's given the reins, mega. But again, prove it consistently. And he can't because he has these games where he's given the exact same gaps. I'm really pissing Pez off here, but he's given the exact same gaps as Ken Walker, but he can't do it. Travis yeah. Homer's the exact same. We we spent all last season Travis saying Homer Travis Homer was shit. because he runs into people. Like he's basically a butt fumble waiting to happen. But this season. He seems to have improved. That doesn't mean that I would put him, I would game plan for him being my running back one. 
not a chance. A game plan with going, I've not got any more running backs. Travis, here's some limited routes to run. Here's some limited sort of assignments to block. Leave it at that. Let the, the big boys play after that. If DK so, goes down, we bring Dariq in. Dariq won't get the exact the same routes as DK because he's a rookie. We'll give him a couple of prove it routes so he can run them, but he won't get game plan for. So I'm not getting annoyed at you. I'm getting annoyed by what you're saying because you're proving a point. <laughs> you're proving my point correct. Like you're proving me and my point right. And this is what pisses me off. About I, I get it. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. This is I what really pisses do. me off because everything you've said is it, it, it exemplifies Pete Carroll as a fucking 70-year-old idiot. Like... <laughs> Oh, well, well like, welcome back. We talk Seahawks fans. We're down the Pete Carroll cork hole. We were going to honestly, say though, this for another honestly, pod, honestly, no, look it. This was the last pod that never came out. So I'm going to bring my annoyance here. Right. Right. I'm going, I'm going on mute. Right. We've literally had our own destiny in our hand. And everything you've said, Josh, I totally get it. If you're a team who's dead and buried or comfortably in the playoffs, not a team who's fighting for the playoffs. Then you just play anyone. We used to do it. Paul Richardson, uh, Ricardo Lockett, all these receivers. When Pete was younger and he had a bit of ambition in himself, he used to use everyone. Now, I, d I don't get it. It's like Tyler goes down and they just concede defeat by... Putting the reins on DJ Dallas and Travis Holman, not letting them run like they're proving they can run behind Ken to stay aggressive and stay attacking because then everything breaks down. Conservative, predictable, shite. Only, so it's not only you. on the We Talk Seahawks podcast could I start a segment 10 minutes ago asking you <laughs> whether Ken Walker has won Offensive Rookie of the Year to be sat here 10 minutes later, cross-legged, cross-armed, listening to Pez say absolute shit on a rant. Honestly. Honestly. All I've missed you guys. Podcast, it's been such all, a quiet December. I've been oh, working my ass off. I've been looking forward to venting. And Pez, is, Pez is obviously, he's, he's an angry man. He's had a really busy December. That's what it is. He just needs to get it all out. The fact as well that he's currently looking a bit like the shoe bomber with his hat over his eyes, <laughs> that big beard. I've been thinking this is reverse came on video, mate. This has been bottling up. This has been bottling up. You can't tell, too many weeks. You can't tell. I'll tell you weeks. what, it's glad that you clarified that that made you angry 10 minutes ago because we would never have known. Um, so good lad for clarifying that up as well. Um, Use hey, Pete. I dread to ask you this question now because the offensive rookie of the one took 10 minutes and a ran. So did Tariq Woolen win the offensive rookie of the year from this performance against the Jets? I'm going to start this one. It's oh, not did, a Didn't you start the last one? No, I, that was no, me. You, okay, you, you just yeah. finished it. Pez is getting his money's worth tonight. I, I, I didn't even talk. I've missed it. I've missed it. I've never. I just away for all my valid points. Don't worry. I'm going to go and get. A, I'm going to go and get a drink now. I didn't even talk about the running backs. I had so much useful fucking information, and then a pin went in my head. Josh, it's always Josh. He always sets me off. He always says the right things to set me off. You're welcome. But anyway, defensive rookie of the year. I've said it multiple times on social media. Spoke to various different people about this battle, and simply for me. This game, uh, I said to you guys, this game's going to be the game to decide it. 
And the, with the way everyone's reacting, it's unfortunately, because I disagree, it's in Source's favour. Anyone who listens to this, and I will happily promote their podcast because he's the man with the stats. Go and listen to the man-to-man and listen to Michael Dugar talk about the comparison between Tariq Woolen and Sauce Gardner. Sauce is ahead of him in a couple of categories, what you'd say are important, by 2 or 3%. Tariq Woolen, to counter that, has three times the amount of interceptions that Sauce has. That alone, for anyone who is unbiased, and we all know this league's very biased to the national favourites, that alone wins Tariq Young, in my opinion. That should win him. Tariq Young? Tariq Young? Who's Tariq Young? He can't get over Tariq Young, Tariq Wong. honestly. See, oh, all this. Right, anyway, don't get me sidetracked. get people's name right. Don't get me sidetracked, because I'm just going to quickly get this out, and then I'm going to stop talking, because I think I'm going to have a migraine. So, uh, Tariq Woolen, that should win him it. But for me personally, all these so all these media guys, they talk about draft status. They love it. He he was an undrafted guy, and look how class he is. Undrafted, undrafted. He's only a fifth. He's only and they love it. But then when it comes to a context or something like this, they forget about all that. Like Tariq Woolen's only a fifth rounder. And then it comes to the important thing, like who should be defensive? Well, of course it's Sauce, because he's the first rounder. No, no. Sauce Gardner. It's picked by should. Said it before. Yeah, Source Gardner, in my opinion, shouldn't win it because this is what he should be doing anyway. Do you know what? If anything, he's underperformed for his draft status because he's not picked any interceptions. Oh, wow, you padded a lot of balls off. Seahawks fans, we all know a guy who did 20-odd pass breakups who's now on the Jags and doesn't even start for the Jags anymore. Shaquille Griffin. Mm. Meant to be the next Richard Sherman with all his past defences. And what did we say then? What did the whole national media say about him? It's great having loads of past breakups, but where are the interceptions? That's what you need to do to improve your game. So Source, in my opinion, is actually underperforming on his draft status. Tariq Woolen, to be a one-year cornerback in the college football from wide receiver, to then come into the league, to not even expect to start, to then dominate and lead in some of the most significant categories at the cornerback position, if he doesn't win, yet again, we're just going to see this NFL media bias on Source. Because look at it at that point. Source is underperforming from his draft capital because he hasn't got the picks. Mm -hmm. What happens next year? What happens next year when people get tape on him, figure out, Brilliant talent, probably won't. He's probably going to extend to be one of the best corners in the league. But what if people figure him out? Because that's what happened to Shaquille Griffin. I know they might not be on the same talent level. Loads of pass breakups and then just got destroyed. Mm-hmm. For me, for me, so also with it, uh, with, with everything that you've said, I completely agree. And the other complete obvious reason why Sauce will win it, he's in New York. He's in New York. It, it, mm. it, the market's there. Seattle's a, a smaller market than New York, and plus he'll moan about it on Twitter and complain and 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 moan for votes and moan for like, like he did for six, his Pro Bowl. Like the six near 
missed interceptions he had. Every time yeah. he got his fingertips on the ball, he's like, oh, no. If no one's watching the video, that's me putting my hands on my head, being overdramatic as I hope to God no one was watching the video there. But I tell you what, you have killed two birds with one stone tonight. You, you've, you've had a good old rant on this podcast that we all love you for, right? And and that's that's the first bird that you've killed. The second one is we've, you've quite clearly discovered that the smoke detectors in your house don't work because the amount of smoke coming out your ears tonight. You go on after after we've got off this podcast. Go and change the batteries in your smoke detectors in your house because they don't work. Oh man! I tell you what, honestly, but hey, I love it, and I'm sure I'm going to probably set you off again here as we move to our next topic. Um, John Brooks, obviously a bit of a somber topic as well oh, because God, it's now torn his ACL um, in that contact injury that he had with the turf um, in uh, at Lumen Field. Um, it was a really with the what with the what with the turf what? field. Oh, is it is it a turf field? To be Wait, fair, Josh, is, I, is I just a, said turf in 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 the context is, of the it, ground. Really, I'm, I, I'm I'm let me check because if it is, it just adds more weight to my argument that the NFL need to get away from turf fields. One second. Uh, Whilst Josh is doing that. Because I feel like I'm getting a vibe that I've got a bit too overexcited for our first pod back and I've talked a little bit too much. So I'm just going to say it's very upsetting. It, I just hope he comes back fully fit because I, my scare is, is he going to have his sideline to sideline anymore? Mm. But that's been a big part of our defence. And with an ACL like that, Pete wouldn't really clarify because some, I think someone asked him in the presser, is it a full reconstruction? And as we all know, Pete loves to lie. Hesitated and went, uh, let's, not, let's not go that far yet. He's having tests and all. It, it's it's going to go one of two ways, isn't it? Because with an ACL injury, you either lose that explosiveness completely, or you don't. I mean, you see it with Jameson William, uh, Jameson Williams, sorry, of the, the Detroit Lions this year, the rookie receiver that they took had an ACL injury coming out of college. Obviously, the Lions still took a chance on him, and it looks like from the game time that we've seen from Jameson Williams that he still has maintained that explosiveness that he had. Um, but sometimes that he's can't. He's not going to. He, he, he's not going to be able to sustain. Do you know what? We said it so many times on this podcast. The fear with Gordon Brooks of the way he was playing would burn himself out. Mm. And do you know what? Everyone's like, he just he just landed funny. But how do we know that's not been there? Because he's been he's been getting injured more recently in the last couple of weeks, been in and out of the games with upper body, lower body, all that shit. And he might just he he knows he's the captain of defence, essentially. So he's playing through it. And how do we know that's just not a breakdown of his body because he's been so, like, geared for his six every single game? I think it's always had to because there's no rotation. I'm I'm currently well into mock, like PFF not mock draft territory now. And the the big thing for me is that we need linebacker help. We need people that we can confidently rotate in and rotate out to do a job. Because now, and you're probably going to bring us on to this, James, um, j- just a, a quick sidebar. Um, 
Seahawks, like Lumen Stadium, is field turf. The career killer that I have banged the drum of all season as just injuring players. I'm back. Um, when you look at our, our linebacker room, without JB, that means that our middle linebacker one is now Cody Barton. Middle linebacker two is going to be either your man, John Ragan. All of fame. Tanner Muse. Not the band. Uh, a collective who comes yeah. out there. Or special teams captain and part-time fullback Nick Ballore, unless he's injured. <laughs> like, how can you function a 3-4 defence with one middle linebacker that's got any experience in the league? You know, and fair play, we've we've been hot and cold on on Cody, but he's 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 been all right. He's done a job when they've literally just set him as a blunt object and told him to do something. He's done it. Um, but now he's got to cover JB's role. And my my big concern is that JB does so much as the signal caller. So we've lost our signal caller as a sideline to sideline defender as one of the first people to to every contact that I don't think but I think Barton's head is going to explode. He may prove us wrong and I really hope he does because I'm starting to to like him a lot a lot more for what he's doing, just the simple stuff. But it's his supporting cast. Mm. Watch us go back to like a four three for the next game. They might have to. They may well have to. Um and like I say the 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 whole Topic around this point was going to be, so, and, and we won't go into it too much because obviously we've got the off season, and as you said, the draft coming up as well. But with Jordan mm-hmm. Brooks now potentially maybe even set to miss some of the start of next season's regular season, depending on how long this ACL takes for him to to fully heal from. Um, does this potentially throw a bit of an off season spanner into the works in terms of the plan that we probably were all sort of presumed that we were going to follow? Um, because now it's like. Uh. Do you, do you draft Second it? round linebacker. I was going to say, because for me, I don't really want us to burn a first round. I don't think, as far as I'm aware, I don't think there's too many linebacker talents that would be worth burning a first round pick for in terms of the needs that we need anywhere on defence. So I think I'm more in the camp of if the, the, the plan should be maybe to just go and sign a priority free agent linebacker, potentially, um, rather than burn a, one of our high draft picks that we've sort of worked hard for this year well the Denver Broncos have worked hard for us uh, this year um, you know when we could go and get a, a stud pro- prospect like Jalen Carter or a CJ Stroud if you want to go quarterback like Pez has gone um, so I, I'd just be interested to see how this injury now potentially on, affects how we how we operate in the off season what do you think Pez? Um, yeah without seeing the free agent list because like we said we'll talk about this in the off season but yeah 100% now Josh proved it. Look at the linebackers we've got. It's scary, and, isn't it? <laughs> and there's some nice, there's, there's some, uh, first look, there's some nice linebackers. It won't be the very top one. That'll be just stupid because we need that D-line. Realistically, even though it's quarterback, my perfect situation, like I said, is keep Geno cheap, get Anthony Richardson in the start of the second in that mm-hmm. pick. But then first two picks, say goodbye to your old, old line. Like these people are talking as a nice centre. There's a, a couple of all line guys. No, I'll see you later. That top pick probably be defensive line because that's one of our massive needs. Um, 
but that second pick in the first, this is where, it, it, without seeing it fully, this is where the whole trading back situation will come in. And my biggest fear is they'll trade back from our first pick to gain more picks. And fill out a roster. And then miss the talent. Unless there's a very quarterback needy team and we only drop a couple of positions and the board looks well for us to get like a Anderson or someone like that. But mm. Anderson's going top top five. And yeah, mm. that's, that's, that's my fear now that this Jordan Brooks injury is thrown a spanner because middle linebacker now goes second priority, in my opinion. Like, yeah, I've never prioritized all line. So, all these people who are thinking, oh, this might be the year to get a, a stud all lineman. See you later. That's gone down the fucking toilet, mate. Wouldn't have needed we'll, to. We'll do a pod on, on our opinions. Yes. Uh, yeah. We'll do a pod on our opinions for Rubini because I've, I've, I've got some quite solid opinions on that. Our next topic, Pez, I was going to bring in Quandria Diggs um, and a little Good. bit of a late season revival potentially. No, do you know what, actually? I'll, I'll leave it till the end. I've got another little NFL rant. Oh, oh lovely. A little NFL rant. Another I think rant. you two will be with me. I think you two will be with me on this one. All right, okay. Hey, it's going to be a two-hour-long pod. This I want to go to bed at some point, Pez. Um, no, no. Andre Diggs has been a model of inconsistency all season. Sorry, I'll do it quick so then Pez can get onto his rant. Uh, model of inconsistency all season. He's finally starting to find his feet again after his... Career, well, his season-ended injury last year. Uh, he looks like he's got a bit of a sprightliness back. And the pick that he got in this game, I re-watched about three times earlier because it was hilarious. It literally just came from the back of his cornerback. Um, so middle of the field, took an arc around, came behind his cornerback and just reached over to the side and picked that ball off like, oh, thanks. Mm. And then ran. It was a beautiful pick. It was um, vintage to show a bit more promise. It, it was, was vintage Quandre, and we've been waiting for it all season practically. And quite frankly, I've got nothing to rant about if he's playing like if that's how he's gonna. That, that's all we ask, and that's all we want from Quandre. That's all we expect from Quandre. Um, with the amount that we paid him, and and and, and kind of like that, we all expect him and as, as this Pro Bowl safety that he is. Even though I still don't think he's had a Pro Bowl season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, he is having a bit of a late season revival um, because some. Whispers were that, you know, or not whispers, but people's opinions potentially um, that he, he may be a cut candidate in the offseason, even though we just paid him. Do we try and trade him or, or whatever, get rid of Quandry because he's not playing? Like, I think his late season form, and, and I think, again, we've talked about it quite a lot on this podcast that maybe he's just developing a bit more confidence now back in that in that leg that he took that injury on. Um, yeah. Confidence in his abilities again, playing like the way he has been playing the last couple of weeks. I'm perfectly fine with Quandre Diggs as my free safety. Um, so yeah, I, I, like you said, Pedro, I think he's, he's he's warranted a mention on this podcast. I thought he played really well, um, and 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 a, and a big shout out to the defense in particular as well. Because um, before we get on to Pez's run, we have talked about him there as well. But Cody Barton again, do you want know fair play to him after John Brooks went out? I thought he he he, he you know carried the load pretty well. Um, and we're going to need him to in, in the next game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought he's picked up the load pretty well when needed to. Um, obviously, no touchdown allowed in the game against the Jets. That's the only, I think the Cardinals was the only other game that we haven't allowed 
um, that a defence hasn't allowed a touchdown in a game this season. It was beautiful. So it was great. Beautiful to see, wasn't it? The fact that we, we weren't just absolute cannon fodder mm-hmm. for people. Um, the amount of the amount of times I've just we've we, we've all commented on it as well. The amount of times we've seen our team play so well on offense, and Geno's tried to carry us, but isn't that caliber of QB? And the defense just like a sieve, just lets everything through. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that got me most excited about this. Ken was brilliant, and you know all that, but the defense just locked it down. And and my boy Daryl Taylor, I was what just. A game. Just, just about to come on. Great to minds, my friend. I've, Go on. I've got a stat for uh, Commander Diggs for you. Not done a stat this this pod, so just a quick one. Suits his number on his shirt, but the complete list of NFL players with three, three or more interceptions in each of the last six seasons is Quandre Diggs. Yeah, just Quandre. He's he's just surpassed his half brother. Who played for and, the Chargers? I'm just watching the interception on repeat with a tear in my eye because Jordan Brooks was about to. He just shot through. If he didn't get like chipped by the old lineman, he was about to take Mike White's head off if he got a clean one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, dear. All we right. will miss him. Um, but yes, Daryl Taylor, because we've talked about him a little bit on this podcast again in in past few weeks that his production has maybe not been there this season at certain points and, and he was quiet for a lot of the season. But I tell you what, we're talking about a late season revival from Quandre Diggs. How about Daryl Taylor's late season revival as well? Uh, two and a half sacks against the Jets as well as the forced fumble. He had a sack against the Chiefs, sack against the Panthers, sack against the Rams. I think he's got four forced fumbles on the year now and eight and a half sacks, which is compared to last season, um, he had six and a half sacks. I don't know how many forced fumbles he had, um, but he's already beat his sack total by two with one more game to go. Um, and how explosive did he look? In that, that one way beat George Fant, where that, that sort of ripping up like under move that he just swam under that yeah. arm. So explosive. That is, if that was Nick Borsa, that would still be being shown on Good Morning Football. Well, maybe not this week because of the events that have, have, have transpired. But in mm. terms of in general, you know, it, that'd be being replayed all the time. If it was Nick Borsa, Miles Garrett, that's it's highlight real edge play from Daryl Taylor. We all know he's got it, but we've said this year it's been up and down, up and down. But my word, he look he, he looks the real deal when he when he's playing like that. Since since we. And I'll admit it was me that did the editorial on this, on the uh, the full 10 yards season review or preview. And I highlighted DT. He has disappointed me so much. Um, and then he seems to have these flashes, just again, consistency, but he seems to have these flashes where the last few games he has really flashed, this game in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, that, that little move he does where he basically drags his finger along the turf to get under someone's arm and that is is I've said this is his bend his explosiveness you know it's it's impossible for people to to mark out of a game you can't block that and it is the amount of strip sacks he gets I I find uh, astonishing yeah he just targets the ball every time now DT I just yeah I, I can't say much more because I'll take up more of the pod and I love him it's it, playing like that. It's an exciting future with him and Uchenna Nwosu. But it, it's it's can he keep can he maintain the consistency? Can he keep 
can he not blow as hot and cold? Can he just keep blowing hot more than he blows cold, if you know what I mean? That's my only yeah. thing with Darren Taylor. Um, any words on impairs before you get to your NFL rant? Do, 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 it, it has been good, but... So, for a bit of context on why I'm a bit, like, excitable, because I've not recorded in ages, but also because probably had caffeine too late before the gym, before I came on the uh, pod. So I'm, silly, I'm silly still mistake. still a bit jittery, but it it just spikes my uh, annoyance, this this conversation about uh, Daryl Tittle, just about this team. Like, listening to you talk about individuals and this team, and it's like, how is it? Like, I understand, like, my stance has always been, I'm sitting back, seeing how the season's going. But why does it always take this team so long to get going to the point where they shot themselves in the foot? And I can guarantee you, I will call it now, James, because I'm not hey, saying this there spot. it is. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, yeah, I was waiting for it. <laughs> I will call, call it now. <laughs> the start of next year, it will be the same as all the other years. It will be slow, slow. What happened to Daryl Taylor? What happened to this? What happened to that? And then when it's too late, all these figureheads will start turning up again. It's just a, it's like Groundhog Day. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. But other than well, that... Tell us, tell, nice tell us the team. common denominator. What's the common denominator of that trend? Pete Carroll. No guesses for that answer, if anyone guessed that. I do, me. Uh, uh, to be fair... You said done that as a, as a giveaway. Can we talk? We spoke about the bias with Source versus Tariq. Can we talk about this fucking NFL and their blatant biasy? 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 I'm going to go oh, with anyone. You're going to talk about the game being flexed on Sunday Yes, now, I am going to talk about the game being flexed because fuck me. If that's not the NFL shining a big light going, we're going to give... Aaron Rodgers, the best opportunity to make the postseason because for us, it's better for us to have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers than the Seahawks, Pete Carroll and Geno Smith in the postseason. So do you know what we're going to do? Because I'm pretty sure they stopped doing Thursday night football at the last week of the season to stop the exact thing they've done to the Seahawks happening because we were playing at the same time as each other. But do you know what we'll do? We'll put them at Sunday night football so the Lions know their own fate. So then they've got nothing to play for. Uh, then the Packers have got the best opportunity they possibly fucking can to make the postseason by playing them after. I get it. I get it to a certain extent, Pez. Right, and I do get it. I do get what you're saying and about the Packers biasy, and I get it. I do get that. But on the flip side, on the flip side, with the story that Geno Smith has been this season, surely, as a as a, I can imagine in the in looking at this from a neutral perspective from a, across the NFL, surely as many people would want to see Geno Smith in the playoffs as they would Aaron Rodgers in the practice because of the story that Geno Smith has been this season. And surely the NFL would want that story to be in the playoffs as well, wouldn't they? Because nope. that's box office, Geno Smith in the nope. playoffs with the sit. Is it not? No, no, not Aaron Rodgers. Because what happens in the playoffs is I know so many people only watch playoff football. 
So worldwide market, people might know who the Seahawks are, but they don't know who Geno Smith is. But everyone who dips in and out of the NFL knows who Aaron Rodgers is. And it's the story of what they've been pressing for years because they know his retirement's coming up, is getting Aaron Rodgers another ring. That are you sounds... saying the NFL scripted? <gasps> they might shut us down. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. All. So Roger Goodell's. I thought you were going to go down the route of. I thought you were going to go down the route of. But it doesn't matter, Pez, because we fucked ourselves over that much anyway. We did. That we shouldn't be in this situation. But that will be for the postseason. That'll be fun. That will be fun. And that was that was also on the agenda. But Josh, what do you think? It's football. It's a money-making enterprise. And as much as we want to go down conspiracy theories, they might have just gone, we've got a gap that needs to fill in. Um, let's, let's jiggle some people around. Uh, to be honest, it's one of those, like, and we've just said it, regardless of the result, we should, we've done better than we thought we were going to do this season. But then midway through the season, we started doing worse than we thought we'd be. This, if we don't make it, it's just proof that this squad isn't ready. Um, if we do make it, it's by the skin of our teeth and we should never have got in this position. Either way, a performance review needs to take place of management to say, why are we in this position? Why did we start well, do badly, really start coming into our stride, and then all of a sudden we just tanked for a period of time? Because if we carried on in the trajectory we were going, we would have been absolutely fine. We would have had a couple of losses, but we probably would have been playoff contention. Absolutely fine. But then we didn't because it was inconsistency. The coaching staff have come out and they've said like about Boye Marfe, he should play more snaps. Yes, he should. And that was evident from the start of the season. You know, the the fact that we've, we've only just started, well, this season, we started using the tight ends. And to start the season, it was fantastic. And then we stopped using them. And we lost loads of games. If you've got a good thing going as a coach and a team, don't change it until you need to change it. But we've got the Tinker Taylor, that's Pete Carroll, just finding everything going, oh, you know what, I could tweak that maybe this week and it might work. Just stick with what you're fucking doing, mate. If it wins, it works. And that's it. So like, either way, I, I, that's coming from a coach's point of view. Like, if if I've got my lads at rugby, same as when I coach my women, if I have them oh, wow. doing what I need them to do and we're winning games, I'm not changing anything. If I put someone in a position that they don't usually play, but they play amazing, I'm like, well, you're back there again next week. Sorry. You know, it's it's a simple philosophy, but it just seems something that is so abstract for Pete Carroll. It It baffles me. So, regardless of the result, regardless of who's flexed, couldn't give a toss, let's just have a management review at the end of the season and go, where are we going from here? Because, my God, if Pete Carroll is in charge for these two first-round picks and he gets any say in what we get, I will be fucking furious. Because if he, he picks is. something... if For now he is, but at the end of the season, who knows? What he's if he retires? Before we get into that, I've just he's not, he's not anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So he is gonna pick he is gonna be picking after this season. Um, after this season. But look but can we just cut what Josh just said there and just say 
for, for, for the three weeks we've missed, sorry, but this sums up exactly what we've seen. Because for the last <laughs> three weeks, I'm cutting out the segment. That's All fine. Right. Send it me as a soundbite. Yep. And because essentially that is it. Josh just summed up what we've seen because we haven't seen the tight end usage. We didn't see the tight end usage. We saw very predictable, very, because I spoke to James about it on the pod that would never be. Listen to the Kelsey Brother podcast when they were talking about oh, brilliant. Prep, no, no, they have a good Love point. That podcast. They have a good podcast, isn't it? They had a good point on it. What got me thinking of, um, was teams who are in the hunt are dangerous because they're still trying to avoid the unpredictable. And that got me thinking, I was like, has this loss, I just watched three loss, two losses back to back, very predictable. We got shut down on offense so quickly compared to, Josh summed it up, start the season, different. When we went on that, was it five game losing streak? Very, 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 like very, very, Similar to stuff we've seen for the last couple of years. And then the Jets game, very different again. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I can't wait for this off-season, by the way. After, after this tonight, I'm, I'm ready for the off-season. I'm going to have to lock myself in the shed because I'm going to get so angry. Like My missus oh, won't be able to go to sleep. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to get a voodoo doll of Josh. I'm just going to go. You don't need to, in. mate. You generally won't need to. Just, just give me a subject and let me go because I've got so many opinions. Oh, I've been really, be I've so been good. really positive and optimistic and polite throughout this season because I'm like, you know what? I've got no He's expectations. But he jumped a, off the fence with his knuckle dusters. Look at you giving yourself a little pat on the back. I've been really polite. I've been, I've done it. Given all the stars of the week awards. Tell yourself. me, I'm wrong. I get called the eternal optimist that. over every bit of social media. You're always polite, James. You're, you were brought up well. Positive pairs. The last positive pairs of the week of the season. You've got to have something lined up for us. Why is it the last? Oh, no, you know, surely, surely we can have a positive next week. Well, well, the regular. Well, yeah. If if we make the playoffs, then it's not going to be the last positive pairs. But for now, it's... if we don't make the playoffs, no, yeah, but it... positive to look forward to in the off season. Yeah, but in the context of a football game, I mean, it's the last. It could be the last positive pez. <laughs> yes, Josh. Yeah. See, I'm a so lyricist. You're, you're such, I'm a a dour, you're such a dour young man. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. King star of the week over there. Yeah, Pez has just told you I'm a lyricist. I'm a poet, man. I know what I'm talking about. Right. Positive pez in the context of it potentially being the last football game for the Seattle Seahawks this year. The last positive pez in that sense. What have you got for us? Where's my jingle? Positive pairs. Positive pairs. Positive, positive pairs. pairs. What are you positive about this week? About this week? Did Shags. you forget the words? Did I didn't forget the words. words. I'm waiting for your... Josh, you were doing so well. I was doing... I, I got it. I nailed you, that. You both seem to get it on well, my... Not on mine. You were perfect. And then Josh gave up. I'm sick of it. You always say Josh is the one who's done really well, and I'm the one who's out of cheese. It's never the other way around. We're starting to point fingers now. I don't gonna like have to it. pre-record this, guys. <laughs> right. Anyway, get to it. Positive so this week. We're getting sacked, Pez. That's it. James had enough. Positive this week. I'll take the hat off for the end of the show. Um, it is a big one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ken Walker's going to hit his thousand yards rushing. Two touchdowns. Going like forward, this. 
just standard, standard Ken in positive pairs in dream world. Um, Baker Mayfield's going to get sacked at least. I'm going to, in my head, I've got four or five times. I think four or five times he's going to get his ass because last game of the season, they've got nothing to play for. He's just going to start bombing it. So he's going to get sacked four or five times and he's going to get picked off. He's going to help Tariq solidify his defensive rookie of the year with two, not one, two interceptions. Two for Tariq, okay. Two for Tariq. Tariq Young is going to... Oh. No, 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 I'm not going wild. Chill, chill out. Tariq Young's going to get... catch a ball. Yes. He's going to get two targets in this game and catch at least one. For a touchdown. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and do you know what? I take it back. Tariq's going to get one interception because Kobe Bryant's going to get the other. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for that. I've got to finish the season off with my boy. Had some nice coverages in that Jets game. He's, ooh, he's, he's got more chance of Cody Barton, I think. Kobe Bryant, mate. First first in the lucky last of the regular season. Do you know what? I'll give you it. It could be the last one, so I'll let you have your moment there with Kobe. As much as I hate you that you've taken one away from Tariq, Britain's setting the record. Yeah, fine. Kobe can have one, I guess, because he's done all right this season. Next uh, season, that... I'm making a spreadsheet of his predictions, and I'm just going to tick <laughs> the ones that come true every week, oh, at me. and we'll, we'll oh, top them up. You won't have to edit that spreadsheet very much, I don't think. Um, <laughs> is that everything? For, his... <laughs> for, for new listeners, positive, be... pairs, positive pairs is, isn't that accurate. It's just it's pipe dreams, but we, we like to indulge it, is because the if, they do, if they do come true, then mega. I, I had a good stretch. Yeah, I had a good stretch. Good, I had like uh, three games, four games where I was on fire and then... So did Dallas. And then set Three out of 17 ain't bad. That's the lyric, in it? No, no. We're going to win by three scores as well. Uh, do you know what? If that's everything, Pez, I'm going to say that I, I just have a bad feeling that the Rams will do us. I really do because uh, the, these kind of games where we... No, no, I'm not back. I just it, this is just my opinion. I, I, I can obviously see us winning the game, but I just there's a bit nagging away at me that just, you know, when you go into this these kind of games with your team, when everything is on the line for your team, there's nothing on the line for the other no. team. Just hold it, Pez. There's nothing on the line for the other team. It's the Rams. We all hate the Rams. They hate us. It's their last game of the season. Whatever happens, there's no playoff implications for them. Thank God. Um, we've already beat them once. This is our chance to sweep them. It, it, they're just—they're just, just going to be. They've got nothing to lose. They've got sixty more minutes of football. Their last chance to put something on tape. Their last chance. And you talking about us having the chance to knock Green Bay potentially off the playoffs and stuff like that. Well, if you're it's a Rams, metaphorical shotgun. Well, don't point it at me. If you're, yeah. if you're, if you're a Rams fan or if you're a Rams player, how how sweet would it be? To beat the Seahawks and knock them, whatever happens in the Lions, but just to absolutely put a nail in the coffin in the Seahawks season, as they've done before, 
you know what I mean? There's just a nagging because feeling. That's not the Seahawks. Just, ba- just, just Baker, Baker throwing ball. That's not the Seahawks like, way. Sign me when you have the chance. That's not the Seahawks way. The Seahawks way is to beat the Rams convincingly. Everyone being like, "Why couldn't we be like that earlier in the season? This wouldn't be happening." And then the Lions lose by a last-minute field goal <laughs> to knock us out of the playoffs. That's actually quite Do you accurate. not see what's <laughs> going to happen? Do you know what? I could almost see the Lions and Packers game going to overtime just to keep us up <laughs> and then get done in the last 10 seconds of fucking overtime to then kill us. We're going to destroy the Rams because Baker Mayfield, if you did not watch against the Chargers, is horrendous. He is shit. Well, no, you... no keep, keep it positive. He's positive. That is shit. positive. He's positively shit. Interesting, <laughs> Josh. If we had it your way, if you were John Schneider, he'd have been playing for the Seahawks this year, and you know it, my friend. But you, it, it's an absolute disgrace. But this is what I mean, though. You know fine well that as Josh sits there now grinning, Baker Mayfield's going to go off for 400 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm going to have to come on here next week and 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 deal with it and see what he has to say and take every bit of... Because I, I don't know, I've just got a nagging feeling that that could happen. Yeah, but you, you the thing is, though, you're in the over-exaggerated land of positive Pez right now. So he's just I been sacked five times. How's let's, he let, getting 400 let's just, let's just let's, let's eat this up. Come on, Pez. I'll, I'll have your positivity. Just give it to me. Baby. All right, we round yours in five. We round in five. If you're coming from Preston, maybe 5 a.m., <laughs> Merry back Christmas door, Back door's always open Happy New Year I hope you've all had a good one Because the We Talk Seahawks Is back to ruin your week Deary, deary me We are back And thank you everyone As always For somehow Deciding to tune in with us Every week um, I hope people really enjoy us For our absolute shit talk Over our actual they do, they do. analysis that's, that's what everyone tells me oh, Also we've got to say Happy New Year everyone I just said Happy New Year. Oh, did you? I don't listen to you, James. Sorry. Right. I'm butting in because James has got too much of a big head thinking he's a master lyricist. You called me that. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Enjoys the game. Go Hawks. Night, night. Go 